it's a very difficult game to win any games, and that's why we enjoy watching it. Because if it was easy to do, then the reward wouldn't seem as special as it is. You talk about a completely different style of calling plays and different concepts. I mean, these are completely different concepts as well. So it's not just what it's called, but what it means. What a great feeling it is this week. Vikings football makes its return. This is the official Minnesota Vikings podcast. We're in episode 158. I'm your host, Tatum Everett. We've got Gabe Henderson here. We also have producer Eric Davidson. And a very special guest today for our podcast. We have Vikings legendary running back and personal friend of the Vikings Entertainment Network, Robert Smith. You know him. You love him. How's it going, Robert? Big summer. It's going great. I hear it's a big summer for you, too. But uh, we could talk about that on another podcast. But uh, (laughs) it's, It's great. It's so exciting to be so close to the season. And obviously... You always get NFL news. I mean, it, it, it comes every day, right? It's it's 365, 366 on leap years. Um, but it's nice to actually get close to where we're going to have the new changes, obviously, uh, with the staff and the systems on both sides of the ball and, and finally getting a chance to kind of see that in operation. I'm really excited. You should be because mm-hmm. football is back and is, I feel like it's really good to see you in person. I had never met you in person, even though we've like done content together. So <laughs> it's kind of so, wild, isn't it? Yeah, it's funny. I didn't, know, I didn't realize that. Going to my third season, I've done count. I know you guys did post game live together last year, but Robert and I have done countless work together. I'm like, dude, it's like actually yeah. good to I see you. I was gonna you in say person. the way that you guys greeted each other, I felt like you yeah. uh, were like best friends. Oh, that's just, that's who I am. Like I, I greet everybody <laughs> the same. I just have fun. And Robert, I know you're a good guy, also, just from our conversations and um, love your. work. Work. I know you have some exciting news to get to here early in this podcast, but um, I've been a fan of yours since you since you played back in the day. I don't want to make you sound old, but um, I am. That doesn't. You don't have to make <laughs> you me shy sound away old. From it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, this is this is great. Just having football back. The Vikings are you know starting football up in, in a couple of days here, so um, everybody's thrilled. Everybody's excited, and we finally get some of those questions answered. Right now, I mean, the past seven or eight months. It's all been about, okay, who's going to do this? Who are you expecting to have a breakout season here? Blah, 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 blah. Football is back, and those guys get to answer those questions. Yeah, and and again, kind of seeing the systems in operation, I think it's one thing to have the walkthroughs and for people to be out there uh, in practice. You have some live sessions, but going against a different team, and and teams keep it pretty vanilla, obviously, in the preseason, so you're not going to see a lot of exotic looks, but uh, just kind of seeing how the guys react to live game situations. I think the coaches are as excited as we are to kind of see what it actually looks like. And, you know, you hear raves. You know, I saw what Justin Jefferson said uh, yesterday. He's like, hey, you know, I could see why Cooper Cup was open as much (laughs) as he was. He's just really happy to be in this system. But it's one thing to do it in practice. It's another do it in a game. And speaking of practice, you'll be out there today um, being able to see some of the guys. Uh, probably the big first big pra- or the last big practice we'll have until Sunday's preseason game. So what are you going to be looking for when you're out there? Well, I think just kind of the way that the guys move, you know, are are they hesitant at all? Um, you know, do the guys uh, seem to be confident in the schemes that they're using? And uh, not knowing exactly where everybody's supposed to be on every play doesn't make that easy. But you can kind of tell from the reaction of the coaches, you know, mm-hmm. how much correction is there after a play? And maybe uh, how loud is that correction can kind of tell you yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Although, you know, I think, I think the staff is going to be different in that regard, uh, you know, th- 
that's kind of what's happened over the NFL yeah. across the NFL. I think some of the older school coaches uh, that were a little louder and and newer coaches, I, I think they're more into just explaining things to guys. And uh, you know, you you can say whatever you want about what system or what style of coaching is going to be most effective. But I think guys are just a little bit different now. Uh, but yeah, I just kind of want to see how how smooth and how crisp things look, and uh, you know, which which side seems to have the advantage. And uh, you know, that probably goes back and forth. Robert, I know you you played under Denny Green your entire career here, but how many offensive coordinator changes did you have? Well, we had – so Jack Burns was the offensive coordinator, I believe, for like the first three games that I was here. Oh, no. So that was my rookie season. And then he got fired, and Brian took over as the offensive coordinator. And as a rookie, uh, I didn't pay that much attention to the NFL in depth growing up. And, of course, it's not covered the same way that it sure. is now. And I had never heard about coaches getting fired during the season. And I'm like, what <laughs> What just happened? <laughs> like, we just lost our offensive coordinator. But it was such a great change uh, for our team and, and for this organization. Obviously, Brian was just uh, amazing. But then uh, Brian uh, took the uh, head coaching job with the Baltimore Ravens after the 98 season. Uh, and then we had Sherm Lewis as a, as the offensive coordinator. And I think that was, so it was just those changes there. Okay. And and the reason why I ask is because like during this, this time period, right? Like the week of the preseason game and you're installing a new offense or learning new terminology, like how much is expected versus how much is kind of warranted of like, okay, these guys aren't going to understand everything by week one of the preseason. Yeah, and so th- if you think about the changes that we had, none of them were system changes. Okay. No no, no language, no verbiage changes, and that is huge. Yep. Uh, you know, you, you talk about a, a completely different style of calling plays and different concepts. I mean, these are completely different concepts as well. So it's not just what it's called, but what it means. And so that's why I think it's, it's exciting for me to kind of see it in operation because it can be the greatest offense in the world or the greatest defense with Ed Donatel, but if the guys don't understand it and if they can't quickly on the run make the changes that they need to make then you know what good is it and coaches say that all the time it's not what I know it's what I know that I can teach the players that matters when you watch the preseason game on Sunday or when fans watch it what do you think they'll see from this do you think they'll see I mean obviously we know I I think it's it's safe to say this coaching staff doesn't want a lot of what they're doing offensively to get out there (laughs) they just you know they don't fans can't or they're they're asking fans not to post videos of practice and things right. like that. So what do you think we see? And then and on, the, on the, the conversely, like, is it easier that way when they just come out that first week, September 11th, not having really any drives under their belt, I guess you could say? Well, I, I think what you're going to see is is probably going to be pretty vanilla. I think that, you know, the coaches at this time of the year, and you have to think, you know, you, you have a lot of young players that you try and play. You think about the roster size being, you know, 90 plus at this time of year, and you have so many guys, you're trying to figure out, if they can remember the play, get out in a real game, and execute. So you're trying to figure those things out initially. And apart from not just wanting to show everything that you're capable of offensively and defensively, you want to keep things simple so that you can just see at a most basic level, can these guys get it done? Uh, but is it easier to just go out at the beginning of the season? It just it depends on who you are. Mm-hmm. You have guys in that in that fifty three to ninety group. You know the part of the roster that might not make this team, but they might be auditioning for another team. Uh, so you have young players. 
and obviously they're going to need the work. You have guys that have been in, been in the league, you know, two, two, three years that might need a breakout, and they're the ones that you're going to see in the game, and, and they need to be in those games. And then you have older players. Yeah, it's, it's easier for older players a lot of times not to take any snaps or just uh, take a, a couple of series in the preseason just to kind of get used to it, you know, just kind of get uh, the adrenaline flowing of game day and going out there against another team. But uh, it, it's different things for different players. That's interesting you say that, you know, the the roster cut down. A lot of people don't really talk about that. I mean, right now you have 90 players on the roster. That'll cut down every single week. And it just been, it's, it's just been interesting just saying, like, you know, people in USFL hats on the sideline or XFL hats or um, um, the, the Canadian football CFL. Mm-hmm. And it's just like these guys are auditioning for absolutely. these other leagues also. Ab- absolutely. And, you know, the young players need to know that. Everything that you do is going to be on tape. And, and again, you know, you're not just uh, showing the current coaching staff. You're showing everybody what you're capable of doing. So uh, and that's important for these guys. And, and, you know, the great thing is, you know, what we saw from having the USFL on Fox this year <laughs> yeah. uh, is that, you know, a, a good number of those players are, are having some, yeah. some tryouts and are, and are part of the 90-man rosters for some of these teams. Well, we'll take a quick break from Vikings talk. We'll return to that. But you did bring up Fox, and I think that it's really exciting. You know, you've really made a great name for yourself in the broadcasting world post-career, and it's just continuing this year. You want to share... Some of the exciting news you got going on this season? Yeah, well, you know, the inventory for college had been down quite a bit yeah. uh, for Fox, and that may change here now with the Big Ten negotiations. Um, but uh, I wasn't going to be calling a, a, a huge number of college games, and my boss, one of my bosses there at Fox, uh, calls me up, and he's like, hey, we're going to have a few more NFL games for you this year. I said, oh, that's great. And then he calls me up, uh, this is uh, almost two weeks ago, uh, and and he says, how would you like to call a full slate of NFL games oh, this wow. year? At least fifteen games. And I'm, I, you know, I swore and said, are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> and, um, and you know, he said, no, no, we, you know, we we're really happy with uh, with the games that you called. And, you amazing. know, I've, I've been calling at least one NFL game mm-hmm. a year. I got two Vikings games actually yeah. two yeah. years ago, uh, but I've been calling at least one NFL game a year, and now. Uh, going to be calling a full slate of games, and I just I just couldn't be more excited about it. It's just it's it, it's so exciting. Is it more work prepping for a college game or NFL game? That's a really good question. There's a lot of work in both, but I think there's more detailed work in the NFL because you know you know the players and you know the stories. So I think to kind of make the broadcast what you want it to be, you dig a lot deeper mm-hmm. on stories in the NFL. So it, there's a lot more work in college just knowing who the players are uh and you know if if you're calling a Utah or BYU or a Cal game, you've got a lot of Polynesian names <laughs> that have you know multiple yeah. syllables and you know different yeah. pronunciations so that can be difficult. But the NFL, you know, you you're, you're familiar, more familiar with uh, with the names because the guys have been around. I mean, in college, it changes every three years, so that's a challenge in and yeah. of itself. But I think the the schemes and the ways that guys try to uh, get an edge on the opponent is different in the NFL, so that you end up more you end up digging a little bit deeper about the history of the coaching staff and 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 why they've adopted certain systems and how coaches and players try and find that razor's edge that can be the difference uh, in winning in the NFL. So you're partnering with Chris Myers 
and Jen Hale. <laughs> Who you know. And I know. <laughs> Big Jen Hale fan. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger talk again. You know, I, tiger talk. Always. Well, when Robert and I are in the building, it's going to be Buckeye and Tiger talk. That's just how it happens. It never well, fails. I'm a, I'm a Michigan and Alabama fan for that. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, I'm joking. I was like, whoa, low blow, low blow. No, I'm joking. Um, but, but you're alongside these two guys. So when you join a team like that, are you? Do you go through like a practice game? Do you work with them? How do you kind of build that bond and that chemistry to be ready to go on air when you do the first game? Well, we called our first game together uh, last December, actually, okay. and that was it was because of an illness. the The regular announcer uh, had an illness, and so I stepped in. And Chris Myers had like three flights that he ended up missing, and and the protocols were different. We sure. didn't we didn't uh, we we weren't out watching practice on Friday. There were mm-hmm. COVID restrictions, and uh, we didn't meet with the coaching staffs in person. So it was a little bit different uh, then. But uh, they do just kind of throw you in there, you know. I I think if somebody's calling a game for the very first time, they may have mm-hmm. uh, some uh, sessions like that. But that's not something we did. But. You know, Chris and Jen, I mean, they're such professionals and just so easy. And because I, I, I've worked with a number of different announcers and, and, and at different levels, right? Like people that have been doing it for a long time, people that haven't been doing it very much. So to step in there with somebody in the booth like Chris, like it was just it was so easy. He just made it so easy uh, for me. And I'm again, I'm just I'm just so excited. But, you know, you talk about what kind of builds that relationship uh, you know, it's when we'll get together on Friday nights and we'll have dinner and we'll be discussing different aspects of, of the game that week or things that we've heard during the week. And, you know, you, you have those conversations a lot of times just kind of over meals and casually. And, and that's where some of the best information uh, and, and nuggets for a game uh, will come from. That's really That's cool. awesome. I'm yeah. so happy for you. I can't you. wait for you to get on a, one of our games. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we have a couple of Sunday noon yeah. games. You never know. Yeah. And you've called a couple already. So, yes. like, do you – I know you're, you know, far removed from playing, but do you still get that itch sometimes? I was like, man, I, I would do this in this situation. Yeah, you know, and not so much I would do this or okay. I would do that. I, I think, you know, you look at it more objectively and, okay. and what, what you think should happen on a certain – and, again, you know, when you're in a booth – you don't necessarily know what the blocking scheme yeah. was. You can kind of guess, if, you know, if somebody runs free and if it looks like based on the structure that, you know, it, it, it should have been a running back or a tight end or one of the linemen that should have had a particular block. Um, but, yeah, you, you really just kind of look at, at things objectively. And, and, and obviously, as, you know, as much as I love the organization and, uh, you know, am now like a fan of the organization. I can vouch it, for that one. <laughs> I can absolutely yeah, vouch for that yeah, one. Yeah, You've heard me swear a few times too. <laughs> you um, never. <laughs> but uh, but it but it it does become easy on game day to just be objective because you're calling things as you see them, and uh, I, I'm sure every fan out there that's a true fan of the team uh, that you're you get angry. Like if there's something that you don't like, you get angry, and so. Obviously, I'm not getting angry during the broadcast, but you can be objective without, uh, you know, having your pom-poms out there uh, on a Sunday for a call. Could uh, 1998 Robert Smith excel in this offense? That's (laughs) so forward-focused and innovative. Well, I I mean, you know, I've had this discussion. I was talking, I golfed with uh, Todd Bauman yesterday, and we were talking about, you know, the evolution of offenses and just, I mean, just night and day, how different they are. And yeah, 1998, uh, um, much much fewer years on his on his body, Robert <laughs> Smith. Yeah, could could flourish in the offense, but nice. um, it's just fun to see the guys do what they do, and 
you know, the, the really fun part for me now being an analyst and watching the game and really trying to, again, to figure out what are the, what are the small differences between winning and losing now? It's not just one aspect of the game because when offenses evolve, defenses evolve and defenses, you know, force the offenses to do certain things and offenses force defenses to do certain thing. And from a personnel standpoint, I think the type of player and the way that they train and the players that fit certain schemes, all of those things evolve and kind of seeing that evolution is just, it's been really cool to see. And because I had the opportunity to work at the college level for so many years, uh, you know, seeing how high school offenses have influenced college offenses. And then some of those college offenses, some of those concepts have made their way into the NFL. So kind of seeing it from a, a, a very broad view has been interesting. It's a kid's game. Well, but if you also think of it conversely, I feel like sometimes these kids are ready to play college ball immediately at a high school. And these college kids are ready to play immediately in the league because they've been in those kinds of systems and football has almost become, I wouldn't say like professional level, but it's definitely gotten a little bit more advanced. I think even when you get down to like some high school, the game gets younger every year. I mean, you're in the Dallas area. You, yeah, you know abso- that. A- absolutely. And, and, but some of the things that, uh, you know, the, the, the colleges though, in the way that they call offenses in right. particular, like, uh, you know, using the, the, the big cards and boards and things like that. I think some, some of those college players have a little bit of difficulty when they do come into the league and they're hearing it. Instead in the rear mm-hmm. and then having to repeat it and say it, you know, that's, that's where the rush, but you're absolutely right. I mean, the seven on sevens and, you know, the evolution of the offenses has, has kind of seen this growth in value for the, for the wide receiver position in general. And it, it it's really interesting to kind of see just how ready those guys are at every level and, and the quarterbacks too. And I think because players get exposed to social media and all of the good and especially the bad, because the bad people are exposed to it early and it just doesn't bother them as much. You become kind of numb to it. Like, yeah, yeah of course they're going to say all that nonsense, you know? So, some guys are more sensitive than others, but I think that that helps players as they advance through the game from high school to college. Like you, you've been hearing this stuff for a long time, whereas 20, 30 years ago, you didn't really have to deal with it the same way. You didn't have to deal with media except for the media that was writing papers and if you don't pick it up you don't see it but people are on social media so much they hear all the criticism so I think from that standpoint players are more prepared you know I there is no way that I am at any level of criticism as these players are but there are people and I I heard oh she's terrible (laughs) we hate her voice all this kind of stuff all the time and I'm so much more numb to it now than it was when I first started out so I kind of I feel like I really related to that last point a little too close to home Uh, uh, yeah but you know (laughs) but you're but you know the good thing is that because you do you do get numb to it and and look uh, like you realize that the people oftentimes that are on social media saying those kind of things, like they just want attention. And like when you see it that way, and then when you get into the league or into college and then into the league uh, and you hear, hear that, you know, even, even some of the people that, uh, you know, are writing for professional organizations, yeah. you can think of them in the same regard. Like, yeah, they've got a job to do. It's to sound critical sometimes and you can handle the criticism better that way. Speaking of critical, I don't, I promise you this question isn't to set you up, but I have, I'm going to preface this by saying, <laughs> I'm going to preface, I'm gonna preface this by saying, because I have an opinion on it, but I'm going to preface this by saying, 
I worked at an organization before and the organization, they would sit certain rookies that they drafted throughout the entire preseason. And then during the regular season, they would blow it up. Like, like Terry McLaurin, for example, mm. just signed a second contract, really good athlete, but nobody really heard about him. And they sat him the entire preseason. This is like, you just drafted this guy. And now you see more teams starting to do it in the preseason. I know it's for, you know, body preservation and trying to, you know, get him, you know, ready for regular game season for sort of regular season games. But how do you feel about the the new wave? It's it's been in small increments now, but the new wave of resting certain rookies because you want to see what they can do in a real game. So it all depends on the player. Okay. Uh, what kind of system did they come from? How complex was it? How difficult has it been for them to adopt the professional scheme? And if you really have no concerns about that, and you have no concerns about how is this player, you know, in that in that particular example, how does this player deal with press coverage? How they deal with some sort of adjustments of the routes based on the coverage? If you don't have concerns about that. I think that teams are more comfortable to say, hey, we don't really need to see that much from this player. And that goes back to the conversation, especially now, uh, because there are three preseason games mm-hmm. instead of five preseason yep. games, as some of the teams had you know, back in the day. You, know, you, you really do need to be careful with the players that you have and the, the guys that you're comfortable with. But you also need to be faster in evaluating that 53 to 90 group. Uh, and you have to you have to know more. And there are just so many reps out there, whether it's in practice, because you only have 11 padded yep. practices now. It changes the way that uh, that you evaluate uh, some of those other players. And you just you don't need to see as much from those guys. And there's no point exposing them to the injury risk. So would you say the starters for the preseason games this year? Do you do you do you like the the new wave of that of only playing like a game or a quarter or um, I'm hearing or a drive, or a drive? <laughs> yeah. like, like what's the balance in that with installing a new offense and trying to get comfortable with playing together? Yeah, that's a that's a really good point right there, especially especially when you're having a coaching style change and complete change in scheme on both sides of the ball. Obviously, uh, you know it, could, it it can be difficult, but. Hey, the ones that uh, are coaching the team, like that's what they get paid to do, yeah. right? And they've been around those changes before on on different staffs, and they see what works. And you know, coaches coaches have to be coachable too. The way that they implement their systems and their history, probably of evaluating the way they've seen the progression. What what should it look like after week one? You know, how comfortable are we opening up the playbook in week two versus week three? Uh, just being around the guys, but then in a training camp environment and then in a preseason environment. So they have examples to go by, uh, and they know far better than me. Uh, you know, sitting in a booth talking about it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They Give have. All, some they have. <laughs> they do have their hands full with a lot of really tough decisions, though. It's a very stacked uh, skill position. They were very stacked at the skill positions. Oh, but I yeah. really wanted to ask you about the running back room because. You've got Dalvin Cook, a healthy Dalvin Cook right now. <laughs> you have Alexander Madison in a contract here, Kene Wangwu, Ty Chandler. When you hear all those names and you have to come down to making those decisions, <laughs> like where do the reps come from? And, and, and is this one of the most talented rooms, I guess, in the league? 
Yeah, I, I, I certainly believe so. And I, I don't say that from a biased position because we've seen with some of the injury issues that uh, Dalvin has had uh, and, and seeing Alexander Madison come in and, and, and play the way that he's played, certainly impressive. And Wang Wu, you know, I, I saw him when he was in college and, you know, could see that burst right away and knew that he was going to be special and the contributions on special teams. I think anybody that's, anybody that's not a, a top-level player uh, or I should say may, maybe top two on the depth chart, even that second player should be prepared for some special teams work. Those guys need to understand that uh, your best way to make a roster as a young player, if you're not going to be that starter, you better be able to contribute on special teams because that, you know, when you're when you're talking about uh, position 45 through 53 on the 53-man roster, when it's finally made, a lot of those decisions come down to, okay, well, are we going to keep a fourth running back? Are we going to keep a, you know, a fourth tight end, you know, a, a sixth safety? Things like that come down to whether those players are going to be able to contribute on special teams. Yeah, that room is one of the most, I think, we, we've talked about on the podcast before, one of the most perplexing questions for us because there's a lot talent there and where do you find who does what and how many do you keep even alexander madison yeah i've been on record saying i feel like he's going to have to play special teams now in this yeah. new offense yeah. he hasn't yeah. he, he's never had to play special teams in his past three years but now with a running back battle uh contract year value yeah you have to be more valuable on the field and and, and that's just uh the my biggest question mark when it comes to just that backup running back position yeah no question i mean and, and that's something you know i remember coming into the league it was something I did too. I was a flyer on on the punt team, you know, <laughs> having to having to fight through the double double, double team. teams. Oh, you know what I mean? That's, that wow, was, I don't uh, miss that. Oh, uh, this is some 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 great memories though, and glad that they're you know we're in the rearview mirror soon into my career that I have to do that stuff. But yeah, you do. You have to be ready for those for those special teams responsibilities again if you're not that top level guy. Now, what what is uh? I, I think my next question is like, what is the definition of success for preseason game number one outside? of of keeping your players healthy. Uh yeah, keeping your players healthy and and you don't you don't want uh you know any stupid penalties. So you just you just want a nice clean game and you don't want uh communication issues with your quarterback um or, or uh whoever it is if it's a linebacker or a safety. You don't want any of those communication issues from coordinator uh to the field. Uh and just guys going out and 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 playing as clean a game as possible um being injury free. I got a final question for you, Robert. Um, I know that you've got to get to practice and make some, you know, appearances around here. <laughs> um, but but I, I'm, I'm curious to see how much you can say first on this point. But I sat in that, you know, watching away games with you and how many games came down to the final, the scoring before the halftime and then the final minute of the game where we were just on the end edge of our seat and this team just back and forth giving us basically heart attacks every <laughs> single week. To say the least. Since then, with new coaching staff, new faces around here, just real, maybe like a minute or so, if you could just describe your thoughts on, are you confident in this move? And like, what would define success for this team this season? Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, what defines, I'll start at the end there, what defines success, you know, depends a lot on what happens during the course of a season. And, you know, as at, when you're following your team closely, it's easy for you to find those types of situations that you can point to and say, well, it should have been different here. But you know, a lot of teams face those kind of things. Um, you know, you have a lot of adversity throughout the course of a season, and it's just the nature of the game. You know, basketball is a, a contact sport. Football is a collision sport. It's a violent sport. The possibility of injury exists all the time. 
uh, and you you just have to deal with those kind of things. And and it's so hard to predict based on who that injury would be to, when in the year it happens, who you happen to be playing that week. So there are a lot of variables on what success really looks like. I think ultimately this is a team that has a roster construction that it, it's a playoff team. It's a playoff team that should win playoff games, or, you know, at least a game in the playoffs on paper. But that's not how <laughs> games are played. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, evaluating, you know, was it the good move? I think it was the right move. Um, you know, when staffs are around for a while, sometimes the message gets stale. Uh, and sometimes it seems like there's a communication breakdown and that certainly seemed to be the case here. So I, I think it's a good move, but you know, everybody gets excited and, and I don't mean to sound negative, but everybody no. gets, everybody gets excited about the, the fresh new faces that arrive. But remember most of the teams around the league, when these changes are happening, everybody's getting that, everybody's getting that fresh look. And, you know, these hires are made because oftentimes the coaches <laughs> are impressive in the, in, you know, in those interviews and uh, the team feels, oh, yeah, well, they're going to make the change and oh, they've got great ideas. Everybody's got those. It's a very difficult game to win any games, let alone enough games to get you into the playoffs and advance in the playoffs and ultimately win a championship. It's difficult. And that's why we enjoy watching it, because if it was easy to do, then. Yeah. Uh, it w the reward wouldn't wouldn't seem as uh, as special as it is. And I think that goes and my last question, I think that reward goes for us who are behind the camera or in front of the camera talking about the, the actual action on the field. So for you, understanding you know, your journey from post football to right now, 2022, heading into the season on NFL on Fox. What is the definition of success for Robert Smith? Huh? That's a That's a That's a good question. You know, I, I, when when I spoke with the. Um, with Chris and, and Jen and our producer, Eric, and some of my bosses at, at, at Fox, uh, you know, the, the thing that I pointed out to them was actually I told them the story of me getting drafted up here. And, uh, you know, I was drafted 21st overall uh, in, in 93. And I remember Ty Willingham, who was a running back coach then, looking at uh, – sitting down sitting me down and looking at some film I'll never forget from Michigan State game when I was at Ohio State and it was a run to the left it was a wide zone play and uh, I don't know probably about seven eight yard game but all the way on the outside and he pointed out to me you got if you plant your foot here and you make this cut this could have been six points so Eight yards is great but don't do it where you're gonna lose an opportunity to get six points and I told them like in my evaluation and how you guys evaluate what I do, but more importantly, communicate to me how I can get better. I want to, I always want to know if there's something that I could have done that would have either been smoother or that would have made the broadcast better. Because ultimately the, the way that Fox looks at football, we want, to, we want it to be a celebration of football. We want people to I mean, we know that people are excited about it, but when we're in the broadcast booth, we're celebrating football, but you know you obviously want to be honest in your evaluation and why did this work? Why did this play not work? Uh, what could have been done or what's coming. You know, you say it all the time. Like, you don't have to be Tony, Tony Romo, but let us know what's next. So all of those little pieces, 
you know, there's there's just so much that can happen in a broadcast. But I just want to be the best broadcaster that I can be. And if there's something that I can do and something that they can see or that they heard that can help me do that, I'm all for it. And I, hey, coaches have to be coachable. Players have to be coachable. Announcers have to be coachable. We all have to be coachable. Constructive criticism is the foundation of advancement. Preach. I love that. I love that. That's how you end a podcast. And, and, that, and that's why you're successful. And you get asked to do a whole entire full slate of NFL games. <laughs> this is how, from Vikings post game live to a full set of NFL games. We're so happy for you, Robert. Thank you so much for being here on the Thanks. pod. Great to, great Giving to be us with you some guys. time. We love having you back here in Minnesota. Um, yeah, best of luck this season. We hope, hope to God, you'll be on some of our broadcasts. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks, Robert. Well, that conversation just made me really, really excited for Sunday. Now, Saturday is a travel day for the team before the first preseason game of the year. You can watch Sunday's game on Fox 9 or the NFL Network. It's the Vikings and the Raiders. Kickoff is set for 325. But here is a little bit of a catch. We have another option this season for your viewing pleasure. It's called Purple Cast. It begins around 320-ish on Fox 9's digital channel. Think Manning Cast, but it's me and Mark Rosen as your co-hosts. We will have a ton of exciting guests who will stop by during the game while we're watching. We've got Jared Allen, Chris Jericho, Jamie Erdahl, Sky Sports' Neil Reynolds, Matt Castle, Allie Kendricks, Caitlin Thielen, and Steph Ham will be in studio. It's going to be so much fun. Again, Purple Cast on Fox 9's digital channel beginning around 3.20. We will watch the game live with you guys and all of our guests. It's going to be a really, really fun way to watch this first Vikings preseason game of the year. Get ready for the return of Vikings football this Sunday.